0: Hi, everybody, and welcome back to yet another cracking installment of the Matt Show. This is the Secrets of Fail series where we're talking about our failures and business and all the great things that we've learned from them. This stuff you will not find on your LinkedIn timeline until I release it. <laughs> With me on the line and in the hot seat is the CEO and founder of Ursus, that's U-R-S-U-S Inc.com. John Beck, welcome to the show, bud.
1: Matt, thanks for having me. Good to be here.
0: Yeah, the privilege is all mine, man. Listen, so why don't you kick us off with the beautiful elevator pitch. John, what are you guys up to at uh, Ursus?
1: You bet. Ursus is a technical and creative staffing firm. We focus on a lot of projects and initiatives where companies are digitally optimizing or recalibrating or just getting started in their journey. Um, All those companies need, whether it's day one in their journey or they're established Uh, technology firms, technical and creative talent. So we provide that in contract, direct hire, project-based form.
0: Okay, interesting. So what are some of the problems that you solve on a daily basis?
1: Everyone's developing and building new tools and the pace of innovation continues to accelerate um, in the world that we live in, especially with cloud. And COVID, you could argue, was putting gas on that accelerant or that fire to begin with. Mm. Um, Companies that maybe didn't have a digital footprint had to participate In the wake of COVID. Um, And so, we provide a lot of software developers, cloud engineers, a lot of creative talent, people that are designing the user interface and user experiences. And in a lot of cases, we find that the chief marketing officer and chief technology officer are working as closely as they ever before because of the interdependence. Um, Everyone expects to have that Amazonian feel uh, and experience, whether they're in an enterprise application or buying something online. And so, we're providing the talent to deliver that.
0: Beautiful. seems like the war in talents is, it's like the war in drugs. When does it end?
1: (laughs) It is fierce. I don't think, unless we start creating more humans that are trained out of the womb, it's going to be a while. Yeah, Yeah, totally, totally.
0: Cool, man. Look, uh, so John, what is your story of fail for our audience around the world today?
1: Sure. So we're celebrating our eight-year anniversary this month, as a matter of fact, and Two years ago, three years ago, we uh, started to stray, diverge a little bit from our core offering within technology and creative talent. One of the things as a startup, and I still consider our company a startup very much so, is to really stick to your knitting, stay in your swim lane, pick your metaphor. We were allured or maybe drawn away from that and got into some types of, of engagements that just weren't core to our offering. Um, in our industry, there's a there's a term or category of staffing called light industrial. It's a lot of manufacturing work, um, typically lower wage than some of the the higher technical roles that we fill. And we started to take on some of that business, and it just mucked up our whole system. Um, and it's throughout system wide. Um, the back office had to do more uh, transactional work. Those folks are higher churn. Um, often there's workers' compensation issues and, um, while it was sounded good at the time and it was big dollars for us, when we look back a year later, we found that the margin was really low and it compromised the rest of the business. And so in response to that, we, we basically had an initiative to churn out that business. And at the same time, I guess the silver lining in this is that we automated everything within our back office and system-wide of the company, Really, in response to, we expect to become a bigger company and take on the volume. Let's make sure that we've automated all aspects of our business. So when we do that with the type of business that we want, we can be successful. And I hear from, regardless of whether you're in staffing or any industry, that this is the challenge that every founder and CEO comes across. Salespeople come to the table that this is great business. We're going to make tons of dough. It's going to be really great. It's a new logo, and it just might not be good business and aligned with what you do. Mm-hmm. And uh, we learned that the hard way. But in hindsight, I'm glad we made that mistake in year five and six and in year eight, nine and ten. Mm,
0: yeah. When it's like, uh, <laughs> it's like, it's hard to say no at that point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I can, I I recognize my, myself in your story, John, in the sense of saying yes to things that, you know, it's like, oh, let's just add another logo. Like, let's just add That's another one, add another one. Like, the more we add, the better, right? Because it's all about growth or die, you know, and actually- That's right. This is what I was saying to you before we went live. I woke up one morning because I've been doing this for like doubled revenues every three years, woke up one morning. I went, this this sucks. Like, I hate it. <laughs> like, what have we created here? I've got developers. I've got service people. i got account management people. i got project managers. This is too much. And, you know, and it's just like, but it takes discipline and it's come up on the show. Like, you're your discipline ultimately becomes your destiny. and I do believe, to your point, John, that if you define yourself by what you say no to, not what you say yes to.
1: I agree 100 percent. And I would add to that or expand on that, the saying that uh, revenue is vanity, profit is sanity, is absolutely true. And if you have, in the you know early stages of your company taken the time to really hone down your product market fit, uh, and set out your mission and and how you're gonna get there and the strategy and tactics behind it. Um, and stay t- true to that. It, it becomes a lot easier. And I take full responsibility. Uh, I'm a salesperson at heart. Uh, I love to win, I love new logos, and uh, and we just got away from it. And in hindsight, though, I think we're much better now at saying no. We share that with prospective clients as well too, upfront. We said we will say no to you before we say yes. Uh, if it's not a good fit for us. It's not a good use of our time and we're not setting ourselves up for success. And that's hard. Um, it, it's hard to do. It's a constant practice. Uh, but if you do it, uh, it, boy, does it pay dividends in the long run.
0: Yeah. It's a fewer, better. Fewer clients, yes. but better ones. Less churn, yes. higher value relationships, happier business on the back end. That's the dream, right?
1: No question. No Absolutely. question. Absolutely. And- and failure, you know, one of my other favorite sayings is, and it's, this is daily, is failure is, is fertilizer for future growth. And I don't think we would be as as lean and smart as a company today had we not gone through that experience and that pain. Um, and so I look at it as a positive in the long run.
0: Mm-hmm. So, John, what did that experience teach you? Like, what are some of the, is there a key lesson that you want uh, other CEOs, entrepreneurs to, to to know from your experience?
1: I think I, I touched on it a little bit earlier, but I, I really think the the discipline in the planning that you do and knowing who you are and who you aren't and looking through that lens in every transaction that you have uh, and that you can expand that into your culture, uh, into uh, your strategy for go to market and how you plan to attack the market. Um, If you reference back to that and stay disciplined and look through that lens, um, and the best way that I've heard is really about customer alignment. Um, If if we know that the client is is communicating to us the things that we deem as important and that fit with what we're really good at, that's a good fit. We want to lean into that. If not, we got to ask ourselves, is this the right place to spend time? Even if it's like a really hot, new, sexy, big logo, you just have to have that discipline and look through that lens because, boy, you can waste a lot of time and effort and money um, and have to undo a lot of things if you don't do that. So better to do the work up front for sure. So
0: John, let's go back in time. What would you do differently if you could get into the uh, Matt Brown Show time machine?
1: Um, that's funny, Matt, because I, I host a podcast and ask that same question. Um, I do uh, and, and I, I darn it, you invented a time machine too. I thought I was the only one.
0: no no John.
1: Uh, <laughs> I, I, I i love I love the question, and I've heard a lot of answers to this and and my response to that is um it's similar to what the 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 lesson was uh is really staying true to my own personal mission i Started my career serendipitously, got into the internet in the early '90s. Uh, not to date myself, and while I've been blessed to have a, a really great career and work for some great people, I made some career choice decisions based on the allure of money or title, and not what I really wanted to do. And working for the people that I thought would really make me better. And so, you know, some people refer to it as their true north. Um, you know, their own inner inner voice. I think staying true to that. And, uh, and knowing that if you're working in good organizations for good people and doing the things that you want to do, the money and other stuff will take care of itself. Uh, and I counsel a lot of kids that are coming out of college and give them that exact same advice, try some things on for size. You're going to know what feels right. You're going to meet a lot of people and follow that path.
0: Mm. Great advice but now it's time to double click on that, so when it comes to your advice John for uh, for CEOs, not necessarily youngsters, but for CEOs and entrepreneurs, young and old, uh, when it comes to their relationship with failure or the role of failure in success, what's your one piece of advice there?
1: I think to own it and to not beat yourself up or view a event as indicative of who you are, what your company is about. I think CEOs put a lot of pressure on themselves, obviously, they're, they're usually cut from that cloth. It can be very lonely at times. Um, there's not a lot of people um, that are available to talk to and commiserate with. Um, a lot of people suffer from imposter syndrome. And so when failure does hit you, um, it can knock you down a little bit and start to really challenge um, everything that you think about. And I think to step back and put it in perspective and say, okay, what am I going to learn from this and why did it happen? How is it going to make me better um, is, is really important to do. And that takes time and to give yourself the space to, to digest and think and ruminate and discuss with other leaders if you have peers to talk about it with. Um, and then you dust yourself off and get back at it.
0: Yeah, it's really good advice. Um, the, other, the other piece of advice you probably missed there, John, was uh, to check out your podcast. you want to give it a quick plug?
1: I appreciate that. Uh, we host a podcast twice a month, Hiring University or Hiring You, playing off the of U and Ursus uh, on any of your favorite podcast listening options.
0: Matt Brown Show endorses uh, John's uh, podcast. Uh, so head on over there, guys. Uh, it's, it's a bi- <laughs> bi-weekly. Uh, and head on over there now, it'll change your life. Uh John, um, is there like, you know, <clears throat> over and about podcasts potentially, but other like books or tools or resources that you encourage other CEOs, entrepreneurs to use on their journey?
1: I, I've really benefited. I'm part of a CEO peer group. Um at Vistage. Uh there's several that are out there. I was a skeptic. Uh, when I first joined, to be honest with you. I admit that there are times when it feels uh, somewhat like therapy. Before every meeting, I don't want to go, but afterwards, I feel a little better. And The benefit of that is is true to my other comments, is to have uh, a group that you can bounce other ideas off, commiserate with, uh, that are all in the same boat. It's lonely being a CEO. and To have peers to, to connect with is invaluable because they're going through the same stuff, regardless of what their business is. The group that I'm in, there's guys that own car dealerships and electric bike companies and you can translate all the, the struggles, trials, and tribulations uh, across different disciplines. So it's really valuable.
0: Yeah. Get a mastermind, guys. I 100% agree with you, John. I've got a, an, an idea for a destination mastermind group. Do you want to hear it? So in, if anyone's interested, me. you can email me. Matt at mattbrownshow.com be my be part of the first be part of the first cohort people, uh, but basically here's the thing, right? So to your point, work is it's work, work is work, and you know you're lonely, it's isolating, you need perspective, all this stuff. And so, um, I know Vistage been to a few, I personally, for me, didn't feel like it was the right network, but, yeah. but for others, it works. I know loads of guys in it. It's highly recommended, it, blah, blah. So how's this? So what if you could go away once a quarter, so every 12 weeks, John, tell me what you think I'm pitching you live on air, but you go away once every quarter to like a six star proper premium destination holiday, Vail, Aspen, like whatever the case is or Bahamas peer group, right? Like small eight guys. Villas, like you, like proper five star stuff, right? But what we do is we run a destination mastermind. So not only are you getting away from the environment, so that you can start to digest new perspectives and have time with peers, which isn't like a you know a half day session or a one day thing. It's actually where you not only get the benefits of like a mastermind type execution. Uh, but you're also getting the benefits of friendship. And and one of the things that for me is really key here for, in terms of my intention is to create only a network of 90. So that's it. So it's called Network mm-hmm. 90. And we do this once every quarter. And so the, the idea is that this network becomes your net worth vehicle. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So whether mm-hmm. that's relationships that get open, blah, 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 blah. So that's kind of like the initial thinking. What do you think?
1: Uh, I love every single piece of that. Um, As long as it's in budget.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Spoken like a true (laughs) CEO. Well, that's great. Uh, Well, look, John, thank you for being on on the show. Uh, Really appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing your perspectives. Um, I'll have a look at your podcast too. Thank you for being here um, and for, you know, making a difference to my audience.
1: My pleasure, Matt. Thanks for having me.
0: Alrighty. Thanks, everyone. We'll speak to you again soon. Ciao.